Very good evening to each and every one of you. If you have your Bibles with you, if you could turn with me to the book of Ruth, chapter 1, please. And if I could ask our brother Dean, if you don't mind, uh, could you read the first 17 verses, please, for us? Ruth, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges rule that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malan and Shilion. Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malan and Chilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went up from the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Surely we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, clung to her. And she said, Look, my sister and your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For where you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Thank you, Dean. 
Last week, I spoke to you about uh, lessons from the life of Matthew. And this week, I thought I'll take a sister for a change. And so uh, I'd like to speak to you this evening about some lessons that we can learn from the life of Ruth. And I'll be going through all four chapters. Now, the period of the Judges, which is the book before this, had been a downward spiral in Israel's history. Uh, it was full of uh, time of anarchy. There was rebellion. People were doing just as they pleased. And uh, to add to that, the priests of those days, uh, they were guilty of robbing God. They were guilty of uh, blatant immorality. And the worst kind of things were going on in the time of the judges. And to add to this, the nation of Israel seemed permanently uh, to be under the Philistines. They kept losing battle after battle. The circumstances were very daunting at this time. Generally speaking, uh, everyone was doing things according to their own way. But Israel's position began to change when two sisters came on the scene. And they were Ruth and Hannah. And their godliness resulted uh, in great changes that happened in Israel. Uh, Hannah, well, she wished for uh, a man-child. And this child that she prayed to God for, uh, he became uh, uh, um, Samuel. And from Samuel's time onwards, uh, we saw great changes in Israel. And Ruth, well, she was one of the honest people of that day. Uh, when everybody, uh, anarchy was ruling all around, well, she stuck to uh, the God that she knew that she had been taught. Uh, and uh, because of these two sisters, they set in motion a series of events that resulted in the greatest days of Israel. In fact, uh, the military supremacy of David, the golden era of Solomon, all these things came from the time that these two ladies came on the scene. And even today, you know, uh, modern circumstances, uh, when we read the papers, when we see what's going around us in the world today, uh, we are concerned. It's almost sometimes as if it's a period of the judges. But if we have men and women like Ruth, uh, uh, who are honest, uh, following God, seeking God, wanting to do things that please Him, we can see great changes in our world today, and that we will see uh, restoration, we will see more people coming to know the Lord as their Savior. So the book of Ruth is the story of how a Gentile woman came to be in the line through which the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, came into the world. Uh, and uh, all the um, dark chapters of Israel's history uh, were removed once Ruth came on the scene. So firstly, I'd like you to notice the decision that Ruth made in her life. Uh, Ruth was a Moabitess. And she had obviously married an unhealthy immigrant from Israel. And before long, she was a young widow. And her mother-in-law had also been widowed. But after 10 years in Moab, Naomi 
decided that she wanted to return to her hometown in Bethlehem. And you see that in chapter 1 and verse 6. And Ruth decided to accompany her back. You see, she had made a, a model wife and a model daughter-in-law. You see that in verse 8, uh, where Naomi uh, confirms that. But when she converted to the God of Israel, she decided to do the right things in her life. Her decision was firm despite all the obstacles that she would face. We will see that. Um, it made her decision meant that she would have to make a break with the idols of Moab. Uh, her decision meant that uh, she would have to say goodbye to her family and friends. She left her father and mother and the land in which she was born to go with Naomi. And it meant that she had to take a different route from her sister-in-law, Orpha. You see that in verse 14 that we just read, Orpha kissed her mother-in-law, said goodbye, and she stayed behind in Moab, whereas Ruth clave unto Naomi and went with her back to Bethlehem. And we also see that um, uh, uh, the first lesson that I'd like us to notice uh, from the life of Ruth is that she was uh, not influenced by peer pressure. That means her sister-in-law would have been telling her what her thought process was, that uh, you know this is our hometown, we are better off staying here, our relatives, friends, all these things. But Ruth decided, regardless of uh, what all her family and friends would have been telling her, she decided to be faithful to Naomi and to follow her God. And so that's an important lesson for us. Don't let peer pressure influence you in your life, but always run your life according to what's in Scripture. Whatever God has for you in your life should be what is influencing you. The Word of God should be the, your only influence in life. And we knew that when Ruth made this decision, she knew of all the uh, uh, dangers or the implications of her decision. We can see this in verses 16 and 17. She accurately assessed all the choices that were facing her. Firstly, we notice that she knew that she had a commitment, that she was making a lifetime commitment to an aging mother-in-law. Because it says there in verse 16, she says, Whither thou goest, I will go. Now, taking on an elderly person and uh, um, a frail person or whatever, uh, you know, has a lot of implications because it restricts your movement. And Ruth was willing to take that on. And then, secondly, she knew before she made this decision that there will be inadequate housing provided for her. You notice, it says in verse 16, where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Which means, she didn't know where she was going. Wherever you go and sleep, well, I'll stay there with you. And then, she also knew that she would have to make new associations, new friends. You notice that in uh, the same verse where it says, thy people shall be my people. So she knew 
that she will not have her friends around her. She would have to go and take, make new friends, Naomi's friends. And then fourthly, she also knew that once she made this decision to go with Naomi, there will be no turning back. Because it says there uh, in verse 17, the first line, where thou diest, I will die. And then fifthly, she knew that if she goes with Naomi, she would have to be subject to the Lord. Because it says there, the Lord do so to me, in verse 17. The Lord do so to me. She was putting herself under the control of the Lord. Lord, whatever you want for my life, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. So before uh, Ruth went out, uh, made this decision to follow Naomi, she had a clear picture of what was awaiting her. An aging mother-in-law, inadequate housing, new associations, no turning back, she's going to die where she dies, and she was going to be subject to the Lord. Now, counting the cost of uh, discipleship is not too common today, but we see here that Ruth did it. And then she took a step of faith. And in that portion we just read, uh, uh, that Dean read to us, we noticed that Naomi uh, tested uh, Ruth's determination. Uh, we see that uh, from verse 18 onwards, Ruth tested her. The older lady sometimes um, uh, could have been criticized um, for discouraging an earnest seeker or misrepresenting the God of Israel. In fact, she was testing the sincerity of the two young girls. Uh, and the Lord Jesus did the same thing also. If you remember uh, in the book of Mark, the rich young ruler, how he tested him. Uh, but even though uh, Naomi was uh, testing Ruth, she painted a true picture uh, of the cost involved in going to Bethlehem. We can see that from verses 11 to 13. But she was sensible enough, Naomi was sensible enough to know where to draw the line because we see that in verse 18, when she realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped trying to persuade her otherwise. And here's another lesson that we can learn uh, from Ruth. Exercise real care when counseling anxious souls. Try to strike a balance between um, the pushy approach that produces profession of faith and the ultra-cautious approach that uh, hinders genuine interest. Let the inquirer face the implications of his or her decisions, just like Ruth did, and allow God to do the work. People have to make their own choices, their own decisions, based on the word of God. And so uh, we notice in verse 22 of chapter 1 that they returned, uh, uh, Naomi returned with Ruth unto her country in Bethlehem, and it was the start of the barley harvest season. Now, I'd like you uh, to notice the next point, which is Ruth's 
diligence. The, arrive in, the arrival in uh, Bethlehem was at the time of the barley harvest, and so it gave them opportunity uh, to go out there and uh, do gleaning and get uh, barley for themselves to eat. And Ruth's diligence in this work is very commendable. She was not the type of woman who sat back and waited for people to come and give her handouts. She was not that type of person. She was a woman of great initiative. We see that in verse 2 of chapter 2, where she says, uh, let me now go to the field and glean. She wanted to get out there and get working. That was the type of woman that Ruth was. She was in the same mold as the great Shulamite woman. You remember her? How she knew exactly what to prepare for the prophet. And she was also the, in the same mold as the virtuous woman uh, that is mentioned in Proverbs. Uh, they were women of great foresight and initiative, um, always wanting to get things done uh, rather than just sit back and wait for things to happen. And it is good to be alert, just like Ruth was, to opportunities. Uh, Ruth was aware that the harvest had begun, and she wanted to go out there and work. And God had planned that her visit to the field that day uh, would result in her meeting her future husband. Uh, in fact, she had no idea whose land it was. We notice that in chapter 2 and verse 3. And, um, uh, but what God did was he brought her together with Boaz and uh, uh, they met each other, they got married, and through their line, the Lord Jesus was born. He was born through the line of Boaz. So uh, uh, many occasions we don't understand why God takes us to certain places or why he moves us in different directions, but if we are in the center of his will, there is always a plan uh, before, uh, uh, there is always a plan that God has for each of us. And I also like you to notice that there was a beautiful balance uh, in Ruth's character. Although she was, she had initiative, uh, she was not forward or assertive. She didn't demand her gleaning rights when she went into the field. She didn't quote chapter and verse to Boaz's uh, foreman. In fact, the foreman paid tribute to her mild approach when uh, he says in um, verse 7 of chapter 2, this is Boaz's servant who is talking, uh, and he says, uh, she said, he's repeating to, Bo uh, to Boaz what Ruth said, and uh, she said, and then you notice the words there, I pray you, let me glean. She asked it in a very kind and gentle way uh, uh, from the foreman. Sometimes people with drive can become opinionated and overbearing. We know that she had drive. She wanted to go out there and glean. But Ruth avoided that trap. She just stayed humble uh, and didn't demand anything, but uh, she just requested it. And then I would like you to also notice yet another lesson that we can learn from the life of Ruth. 
was her commitment to the job of gleaning. Her commitment is seen that with the exception of short breaks, she was in the job from morning, uh, we can see that in uh, verse 7, where uh, you notice there it says that she was there from morning, and then uh, if you go to verse 17, you would say that it uh, says that she gleaned in the field until evening. You see, she didn't linger even over her meal break uh, or her lunch break, as you may uh, uh, know. In verse 14 of chapter 2, it's the meal time where everybody, all the reapers were um, eating. And it says there right at the end of the word, verse, she did eat and was sufficed and left. As soon as she was full from eating, she left. She didn't linger over uh, her break or anything like that. The other day I um, uh, went with uh, one of my colleagues uh, for a lunch break and um, uh, we were um, in a Mexican restaurant and some of the people that uh, worked for another competing company to us uh, were there. And we were commenting that uh, we stayed for almost an hour having our lunch break, but uh, they were there before us and they showed no sign of leaving even when we left. In fact, uh, my colleague commented that they were settling down for the afternoon. <laughs> so um, her example is a very good example for us. Try not to stretch your statutory break at work. It's a bad testimony. Uh, the way Ruth applied herself was constant. She continued right to the end of the harvest. She was a model uh, employee. She started early morning. She just had exactly what her lunch break, what she needed to eat, and then she worked all the way to the evening. This morning, when I woke up, I felt like going late to work because I was feeling tired and I wanted to sleep in. We all feel like that, isn't it? It's a natural human tendency. Uh, and we may even want to extend our lunch break or uh, go in late, come back early. Uh, but my wife persuaded me it's not a good testimony because uh, you're only here a few days of the year and you need to be working all day so that you uh, set a good example to your employees. And we need to be just like Ruth was. And so we also see that uh, she applied herself uh, until the very end of the barley harvest in chapter 2, verse 23. Now, the barley harvest would have started uh, and gone on for a number of weeks, uh, maybe months. And she continued unto the end, it says here. Many people will take on a role or will take on a work, and they never finish it. You know that kind? They, you know, they give up after a little while, and uh, you know, the first few week, days and weeks, they come in early. They're all charged up, ready to go. But after a while, then the enthusiasm starts fading away, and they stop before the end. But you notice here it says that Ruth continued until the end of the harvest. She didn't get tired and stopped partially. And like the people of Nehemiah's day, she labored in the work from the rising in the morning until the stars appeared. You remember Nehemiah? In fact, you can look at that. Nehemiah 4, verse 21.
Nehemiah 4 verse 21 says, So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. That's till the evening. And so don't sidestep uh, the burden of the heat of the day. Don't faint in the day of adversity, as uh, Proverbs says. But let's roots wholeheartedness, let it characterize your life. And then I'll also like you to notice another lesson from the life of Ruth. And this lesson is, we can notice this in verse 17. Her diligence is seen again in her beating out what she had gathered. Even after the backbreaking hours of gleaning, she made the effort to beating, beat it out. That means the work that she had done, it had to be prepared at the end of the day. And so she worked all day, and she could have easily said, I'm tired, let me go home. But no, she went, took the stuff, she went and put it aside, and she beat it out and prepared it into the meal that it should be. And uh, that is the same way also in uh, Scripture. It says in Proverbs 12, 27, this is a very good verse, uh, the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting. There is no indifference here uh, that we see in Ruth's life. She did her work diligently, and when it came to the afterwork, the final preparation, she continued right through to the end. Never put out, uh, never postpone something that you need to do today. Even though you may have had a hard day at work, carry on and finish it in the evening. Do we beat out what we glean from the Word? Do we ponder what we read for ourselves and receive from God's servants? That's the spiritual lesson from verse 17 that we could apply uh, uh, in our lives. Uh, so she gleaned in the field until the evening, and she beat out that which she had gleaned. And the same way, when you come to church and when you uh, receive from God's word, do you then go home and do your meditation and ponder on it? Or just do you do the first part, listen and go home? We need to beat out what we glean during the day, what we glean when we come to church. It's no point uh, coming and telling me afterwards, great message, wow, wonderful sermon. It's no point if you don't go and apply it in your life and put the application into your life. And uh, in verse 19, uh, Ruth's mother-in-law asks her a very important question that I would like to pose to you today. Where hast thou gleaned today? You see that in verse 19? Where hast thou gleaned today? Which part of the Bible have you read today? Where have you gleaned today? It's very easy. I can tell you this uh, from my own example at my uh, church in Sri Lanka. I know exactly who is gleaning from the word among the believers that come to our assembly. The ones that don't glean, uh, you know uh, when they are called up to either open in prayer or to worship on Sunday morning, well, when they come up, they've got not a lot to say because they haven't been doing any gleaning from the Word of God. Isn't that right? You know when somebody comes up here, uh, 
whether they've been gleaning or not. Isn't that right? From the, um, the uh, material that comes out of their mouth. And so uh, your, uh, this is a question that you can ask each of yourself. You can each one ask yourself, you need to be gleaning from God's word to be able to be benefiting from God's word. And God expects each of you, not only just to come here um, three or four times a week and listen to the message, but you need to go home, apply it in your life, and you need to glean from yourself from Scripture. And then I'd like you, uh, the next lesson that I'd like us to learn from the life of Ruth was her duty. Um, Ruth felt a sense of responsibility to Naomi, and the sense of duty was constantly uh, evidenced in her kindness that she showed to Ruth. Uh, she respected the older sister's advice. We see this in chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, uh, this is just one example. It's, and she went down onto the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law uh, bade her. She respected the older woman's advice, for Naomi was a very shrewd judge uh, of human character. She knew that if Ruth was to be found in any other field other than Boaz's field, that it would be perceived as ingratitude. Uh, we see that in chapter 2, uh, verse 22, right there at the end, she advises her, don't go to any other field. And then she also knew that the important issues with, this is Naomi, I'm just trying to point out to you that she was a woman who had great uh, uh, perception. She was giving great advice. She even knew that the best time to speak to a man is after mealtimes. <laughs> because if you notice chapter 3, verse 3, have a look at it yourself. No, I'm not joking. <laughs> it says right there at the end, but make not thyself known unto the man until he shall have done eating and drinking. And so you can see the picture here that Naomi was a very wise advisor. You're still laughing. No, I'm telling you it's true. You, you, in, in fact, even the Lord, he erased important issues after mealtimes. Have a look at uh, John chapter 21. I'll show you. Okay, let's see. John chapter 21, uh, verse 11, you see they caught a great catch of fish. Uh, then John chapter 21, verse 12, Jesus said, come and dine. And then in verse 15, here's the key words. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonah, lovest thou me more than this? So the most important question that he asked Peter, he asked it after they had dined. And so uh, uh, Naomi was someone that Ruth needed to listen to, and she did listen to her because she knew that uh, uh, her advice needed to be meticulously followed, and on each occasion, Ruth did meticulously follow her advice because young people, young brothers and sisters, you can easily be led astray, you can easily have wrong thoughts or wrong ideas when you're young, 
and the older ones who are more mature in the faith are able to guide you and direct you in the correct path, but you need to let them do it. In fact, let me, gi let me give you an example uh, while we are on this subject here of how uh, if Ruth didn't listen to Naomi, things could have gone horribly wrong and then the Lord wouldn't have been born in the line of Boaz. In fact, look at chapter 2 and verse 8. And this is Boaz talking to Ruth. And he says to her, uh, go, not, go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maiden. So he said, stay with the, my ladies who are working with me in my field. Okay? So what did Ruth understand from what Boaz said here? Well, we'll see that in verse 21, she goes and repeats her conversation with Boaz to Naomi. So she says, and Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men. Did he say young men? No. If you go back to verse 8, he says, Abide here fast by my maidens. Now, you see how easily she has got misunderstood there? I'm sure she was a very virtuous woman. I'm sure it wasn't just a ploy of her to go and spend time with the guys. And uh, Naomi, she was so wise that you see that she thought about it. And in verse 23, she tells her, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens. So even though Ruth was telling her, Boaz said, stay with the boys, Mm, Naomi thought, no, that can't be right. No, no. You go and stay with the ladies. And then in verse 23, and Ruth obeyed her. So she kept fast by the maidens. And so there's a wonderful example. Sometimes you are not aware of the dangers that you are in. But mature brothers and sisters in your local church, they will be able to guide you when you cannot see the danger. Ruth didn't see the danger, but Naomi saw the danger. She corrected the misunderstanding. Ruth went and stayed with the maidens. Uh, Naomi had sensed the danger, and Ruth was happy to be guided. And so uh, here's another lesson, uh, brothers and sisters, especially those who are younger in the faith, young in age. Be happy to be guided by your more mature uh, brothers and sisters that are here, and I know that there are many of them here this evening. And it also illustrates a, a false instruction to aged women to take young women in matters of propriety, integrity, uh, morality, and to teach them. Uh, we see that in uh, Naomi was only doing what uh, Paul has also commanded us to do in Titus chapter 2, and verses 3 to 5. You can see that we'll just repeat that to remind ourselves. Titus chapter 2, verses 3 to 5 says, The aged woman likewise that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Naomi felt responsible to do just this, 
that is mentioned here in scripture. And there is no resentment on the part of Ruth. Young sisters, my prayer to you is value the advice that mature sisters in Christ give you. Their outlook sometimes to you may appear dated, or, um, but the outlook is born out of fellowship with God and many years of experience of life. And it is not based on the shifting philosophies of the world. And so uh, we need to take advice from those who are more mature in the faith. And then another lesson that I'd like us to notice from the life of Ruth is Ruth's care for, I'm sorry, I've run out of time already. Uh, uh, Ruth's care for Naomi was seen in her willingness to share. As she sat at a meal, she remembered Naomi and received, uh, reserved some of the rations for the older lady. You can see that in chapter 2, verse 18, she brought food home for Naomi. And uh, sharing is greatly encouraged. You need to look after your older family members, your older ones in Christ. I know that in this church that that is done greatly. I can see many examples of that. And here's something that is a lesson for us from Ruth. We need to look after those who are older uh, around us. And Ruth's devotion to Naomi, I noticed when I was reading that this could not be concealed. You see, people were talking all about it. You can see that in chapter 2, verse 11, uh, where uh, Boaz tells her, um, uh, it has fully been shown to me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law. So Ruth didn't go boasting, but Boaz knew all about it. And then even the city, uh, the men of the city had heard that she was a virtuous woman. You see that in chapter 3, verse 11, he says, for all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. And the lesson here is this. Genuine deeds of kindness are never done in the glare of publicity. You see, um, they are always noticed and they cause men to glorify uh, our Father in heaven. But you do not need to go and tell others what you are doing uh, uh, when you have genuine uh, kindness that you show to other people. It is healthy to speak well of others. It is healthy to show kindness. But do it discreetly. But uh, if you do it as unto the Lord, others will find out and they will glorify the Lord, just like in Ruth's case. And uh, I've uh, run out of time, so I will just uh, wrap up here. Um, before the book ends, we see um, uh, the uh, final a warm marriage relationship and the joy of motherhood. Uh, some of the points that I was going to bring uh, to you, which uh, I'll just give you the pointers. Boaz, he proved himself to be a true gentleman. He had been very considerate on their first encounter. He had anticipated her overstaying her welcome of attracting unwelcome attention of other young men. Um, and in their midnight encounter, which we would have seen if we had gone through chapter 3, he conducted himself with utmost propriety. Uh, and that is also another lesson for young brothers who are here today, uh, that when you're uh, mixing with those uh, of the opposite sex, how to conduct yourself. And then also, 
um, he fulfilled the promise he made to her uh, at the earliest opportunity. Uh, and then finally, uh, we also notice that uh, Ruth was truly appreciative of his consideration, his words of comfort, uh, and that uh, Ruth was now being rewarded for the stand that she took to leave her home, to leave her family, to stay by the Lord her God, the God of Naomi. She was being re uh, rewarded. And um, uh, that is an example. The lesson here is um, having honored the Lord, she was now being honored. And so, brothers and sisters, uh, my final thought to you is live by the principles that Ruth lived by. She honored God and uh, it paid rich dividends in her life. And if you were to do the same as well, whatever stage you are in your life, you don't know what your future holds for you. But if you honor God like Ruth did, you will see that it pays rich dividends in your life and your future uh, will be a certainty guaranteed by our Lord uh, where he will take care of all your needs and provide for you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity this evening. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we thank thee for another opportunity that thou hast given for us to come into thy scriptures and study from one of the great characters in scripture. We thank thee for the life of Ruth and uh, what an encouragement that it serves for us, our Father. We pray that these uh, lessons that we have seen, that we would go away and apply it to our lives, both speaker and hearer alike. And we pray, our Father, that we would be those Christians who would lead lives pleasing to thee, uh, lives that bring glory and honor to thy name. Part us with thy blessings, we ask. We ask this in the Savior's most precious and worthy name. Amen.